see you. My name is Ellen, as Andy mentioned at the beginning, and I'm a minister on the team in this church. And it's always a privilege and a joy to share some thoughts in our Sunday morning, our Sunday evening meetings. We're working our way through a series in one Peter in our evening services at the moment. And in just a short while, we will look at our passage, which is in one Peter chapter four in a moment. Before we do that, I want to start by asking you about this particular phrase. It's a phrase that you hear quite a lot if you are involved in any way in education at the moment. And it's this phrase, growth mindset. (laughs) Well, there you go. Growth mindset is a big deal in education at the moment. My nine-year-old, his English homework last week was, um, it said, write a story, write ideas for a story about a spider a spider, I don't know why, right? Ideas about a story, about a spider that links ideas that will help you with growth mindset. You know, it's in the vocabulary of my nine-year-old. It's a big deal. Does it mean anything to you? Obviously it does. Teachers, parents, students, somebody tell me what growth mindset is. Anything at all? Like having a can-do attitude, even if you can't do it to start with, you can. Having a can-do attitude, very good. Anything else? Sorry, an inquiring mind. Yeah, very good. Very good. Not giving up. Yep. What about you teachers? What is the growth mindset? How do you describe it to kids? Yes, Justine. Um, That is the right answer, and you are a teacher, so that's good. Um, (laughs) It's this idea that actually you're not static. You know, you don't have a fixed mindset, you have a growth mindset. I asked my husband, who is a teacher, and he said it's the power of yet. I can't do that yet, but it is possible. Things are possible. Now, this word about mindset and the whole idea about mindset, I think is helpful to us as we look at our passage this evening, and as I've been mulling on it. Um, I've summarized this idea about mindset in this way, that a, a mindset generally is the established set of attitudes we hold. So if we have a mindset, it's just our way of thinking our opinions. A fixed mindset is when we believe that our basic qualities, whether that's intelligence or talent or anything else, are completely fixed, immovable, fixed traits. But growth mindset is this idea that our abilities can be developed through dedication and commitment. A growth mindset can lead to great accomplishment. So the idea with our children in schools is that they're they're being encouraged, that their minds have got the capacity for great things and they can learn to love uh, learning and can grow and can develop. And there's something of this going on in our passage that we're going to look at tonight. If you want to follow it, it's 1 Peter chapter 4. In the Bible you've got in your chairs, it's page 1219. It might be helpful to have it open as we look at the passage together and work through it together. Page 1219. Turn that open and we'll read 1 Peter chapter 4 together. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself with the same attitude. So that's what we're talking about tonight, right from verse one. Arm yourself with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body has finished with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for human, evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. 
They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless wild living and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Now, on first reading this section of 1 Peter that we've got to, it feels a little bit bitty, a little bit disjointed. Peter seems to be mixing up all sorts of different concepts and commands uh, together in his writing. And it's often the way in lots of the letters in the Bible, whoever the author is, whether it's Paul or Peter or someone else, just they're drawing to a close as the end of the letter is drawing near. A whole bunch of stuff comes to be included as they start to draw their letter to a close. But actually here in these 11 verses, there is something about mindset that runs through the passage that I just want to unpack for us and that seems to me to tie some of the bits together. Peter seems to be encouraging the Christians that he's writing to to shift their mindset. A mindset shift is what's needed, which is a bit of a tongue twister. A mindset shift is what is needed. And it flows right from verse 1. As I said, verse one, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body has finished with sin. And that word attitude in verse one there is about mindset. It's about a way of thinking. It's about the beliefs that we hold. Arm yourselves, Peter says, arm yourselves with the mindset of Jesus starts with therefore, which refers back to chapter 3 and verse 18, if you want to look at that, if you've got the passage, where Peter talks about Jesus suffering on our behalf. He suffered for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. So Peter's saying, therefore, look back. Look back to what Jesus has done for you. And therefore, because he suffered, therefore, have the same attitude. Shift your mindset because he died. And now you're to live differently. The penalty of sin has been dealt with. Now that doesn't mean, of course, that we're not going to sin anymore. It doesn't mean that we won't give in to temptation. But it does mean that sin is no longer our starting point. Therefore, we have this mindset shift that says this is who I am now. That I am a child of God who has been set free from the power of sin that I am one to live and to love Jesus. I'm not defined by sin, but by the grace of God that has set me free. Arm yourself with that attitude because of what Jesus has done, his attitude, that that will make a difference to us. 
And as we shift our mindset and have that attitude of Jesus, then all sorts of things will flow from that. Our choices will flow from that mindset, which of course makes a huge amount of sense. The attitudes that we hold will of course affect the choices that we make and the decisions that we make. And in our passage, verse two to seven, talks about some of those sinful choices for us to avoid. Verse two, as a result of shifting the mindset, as a result of having the attitude, uh, a disciple of Jesus will not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather the will of God. Verse three, you've spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. And then um, Peter talks about the fact that um, people will be surprised that you don't join them in those things anymore. A shift in mindset means a shift in our lifestyle choices. I want to show you a short clip from this film, Eddie the Eagle. Who's seen Eddie the Eagle? Oh, loads of people. It's, um, it's a great film, I think. It came out a couple of years ago, and it follows the true story of Eddie the Eagle Edwards, a British skier, um, ski jumper, who in 1988 became the first competitor, uh, GB competitor for more than 60 years to ski jump in the Olympics. And it's a, it's a great film. It's really warm and, and funny and inspiring. And of course, Eddie Edwards, he consistently comes last. And if you know anything about the story in, in real life or have seen the film, that's what's kind of memorable about him, that he just was always last. But actually, the bigger plot is how amazing it was that he made it into the squad in the first place, teaching himself, getting a good coach, believing that he could do it, growth mindset, actually, and uh, believing that he could achieve. So I want to show you this clip. He's um, just at the top of the final and the highest 90 meter jump. He's already jumped the 70 meters, which means he qualifies for the 90 meters and he's never jumped it before. So look at this and watch especially, and listen especially for the things that go through his mind. Have a look at this. <laughs> it was never in doubt. As an aside, is Jim Broadbent in every film that has ever been made? I feel like he is every film I've ever seen. Um, there's so much I love about that film, including the classic 80s jumpers and hairstyles, so good. But I love what it illustrates about the power of mindset. And of course, he faces this jump and he hears the voices that say, from the past, you'll, you will never make it as an athlete. Your best will never be good enough. You, you will never be Olympic material. What nearly prevents him jumping isn't the jump itself. It's what's in his mind as he prepares to jump. Peter tells the Christians that he's writing to, and we're to apply that to ourselves, of course. He says, you are finished with sin. You are finished with sin. And you should have the same attitude, the same mindset, the same strength of belief that you're willing to shift and change, that you do not identify with sin any longer. He says in verse three, you've spent enough time in the past. Now for Eddie, the Eagle Edwards, um, his past was a whole load of negative lies about himself. But the past for us, it might be those things, but it might also be the pull to sin that Peter refers to. That is 
alive and well, the peer pressure that is around in our culture that is alive and well for us as Christians, that we can listen to the voices that actually shout so loudly that make us want to stand against the attitude of Jesus. Just one more drink, sleeping with my girlfriend, that's not so bad, is it? Is there any gossip? Well, it's just a bit of fun. Peter says that people will be surprised that we don't join in if we put aside all the sin of the past, but that each one of us is accountable to God, verse five. When we have a shift in mindset, it affects the choices that we make. It makes us determined to be finished with sin, that we will say, I'm a child of God, and what maybe defined me in my past no longer has a hold or a bearing. I'm here facing the discipleship journey with Jesus, the jump that's ahead, and I will have the attitude of him who called me that says I am his child and the power of sin is broken. Being a Christian isn't a hobby. It's good to remember that, isn't it? That we are disciples of Jesus. It's a discipline as we follow him to make mindset shift choices about the way that we live in our frontline places. Not surprisingly, of course, prayer is key. Look at verse seven. The end of all things is near. Be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Peter's letter comforts suffering Christians. And actually, that's the big picture of this letter, that Peter is addressing Christians who are suffering. And he says, God's redemptive plan is being worked out for you. God will come and wrap things up in his time. Jesus will return. There's hope of an end. The word alert in verse seven means to be in in one's right mind, be of sound mind. So therefore be alert and of sober mind. Two references emphasizing this idea of clear mindedness, clear in our minds as we pray. I wonder whether one of our takeaways this evening can be a reminder about the influence that our mind and our mindset and our attitude has about the choices and what we choose to do, and therefore what we will achieve. Our choices flow from our mindset, but also it's love that also flows from our mindset. There's a phrase here in 1 Peter 4 that I think is in the category of, is it in the Bible or not? You know when you hear phrases and you think, is that biblical wisdom? Or is it something that my grandma used to say? And it's right there, um, love covers over a multitude of sins. Do you know what I mean? That could be something right out of the Bible, or it could be something that you'd see on catchphrase or something. Um, Phrases that that you're familiar with, that we use in common speech, and people use. um, Love covers over a multitude of sins. It's one of those well-known sayings. And it says here, love each other deeply. Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. That word deeply, ektanos, it literally means stretched out, at full stretch. Love each other at full stretch. Love each other fervently, love each other deeply. And Peter quotes Proverbs 10 where it says love covers over all wrongs. He's quoting that proverb. Someone acting in love at full stretch doesn't broadcast the sin of others. Love is gracious. And I love the thought that there is no contradiction between our heart and our mind when it comes to loving God. 
that was so helpful from Ian when he helped us to think about this idea that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. And what an incredible expression of my love for Jesus when I love him with my mind and my mindset. And I put work and effort into my mindset so that I'm a godly disciple of his. When we think about attitude and mindset, it affects what we don't do. So it affects all those sinful choices that Peter's talked about in the first chunk of this bit that we're looking at. It affects the things we don't do that we would choose not to do. And it will also affect the things that we choose to do in terms of the way that we love and also the way that we serve. If we arm ourselves with the attitude of Jesus, it leads to service. Verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. If we have the mindset of Jesus, it will affect those choices, the things we don't do and the things we choose to do. The way that we use our gifts to serve him, hospitality, Peter mentions, using our speech, being a steward of God's grace for others. A mindset shift will lead us to serving God more effectively with the gifts that he's given us. I want to finish with a um, personal story before we pray together about this whole idea of mindset and attitude. Um, Because it came to mind, and I think it relates very much to this passage and what we're talking about here. I remember a time when I was training to be a Baptist minister at Spurgeon's College, and it was just a season of life where loads of different things came together at once uh, for me. Lots of different tricky things happened at one time. They weren't terrible. It wasn't like kind of major crisis, but it just felt like lots of things were being thrown up and were a bit difficult for me at the time. I was involved in a very busy church and I was trying to juggle uh, study at the same time. I was single and feeling a bit isolated and lonely at that time. I didn't have very much money and I didn't have very much time and everything just felt a bit relentless for that season and of course if you're feeling a bit um, unsettled about something it calls everything into question doesn't it why am I doing this what why did I think this was a good idea did I really hear God right that I should be training it's too hard I'm not enjoying it it was like the um just some of the joy had gone out of the service Anyway, I was reading my Bible and I was reading through the book of Galatians. And um, there are loads of times, aren't there, when we read the Bible and it is just, it washes over us or it goes in and we think about it and it goes out again. It does us good, but it doesn't massively connect. And then there are those occasions when God's word just becomes absolutely alive. And it was just one of those occasions for me as I was wrestling. I was reading through Galatians and I was struck by this verse, which I think really relates to our 1 Peter passage, when Paul says this to the Galatians, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I am who I am because he is who he is. I no longer live, it's about him. And I was just hugely 
challenged in a good way and also hugely comforted by God's word to me at just the right time, that actually Christ lives in me. This life that I live, this slightly uncomfortable, unsettling, everything up in the air, season of my life that I live, it's him in me. And I, it felt like God was giving me a gentle talking to in the very best sense. And I decided to memorise this verse and to meditate on it. And I, would, and I just repeated it all the time. I remember I was training for a, a race and I, was, and I would run. And I'd be quoting it in my mind as I pounded the streets. You know, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And I still do that actually today sometimes. And I was just reminded of that when I was preparing for tonight because it really echoes some of the thoughts here in our 1 Peter passage. Verse one, arm yourself with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body has finished with sin. Peter's saying to the Christians, therefore, look at what Jesus has done. That is the past, your sin is the past. Arm yourself with his attitude, you are finished with sin. You are holy and a child of God. And I just had that sense that maybe what God wanted to do for us as we worship and pray and think as we finish is to hear him giving us that kind of comforting, challenging, loving pep talk. Um, At that time I was feeling, um, you know, I wasn't just feeling not great, I was also feeling guilty. You know, Christians are really good at this, you feel bad. And then you feel bad for feeling bad because somehow you feel like Christians shouldn't feel it. So there's this whole layer of badness. I felt bad and I felt bad for feeling bad. And actually when God speaks to us, there's no guilt. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. 1 Peter, arm yourself with the attitude of Jesus because I'm finished with sin. And I just felt like God was giving me a no guilt pep talk. And actually there's something of that challenge and that comfort for us here as we think about our mindset shift. When we remember that we are his children, that we belong to him, and that we are under his authority, that the power of sin is broken, we arm ourselves with his attitude. And as we shift our thinking in that way, that will affect our choices and it will affect our love and it will affect our service. So we're going to pray about that together. Perhaps a band wants to come back and we'll pray and think about that. Let's pray. Since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body has finished with sin. And what I suggest we do as the band play and in a moment when we start to sing is just take, um, just take a couple of minutes um, to think about this, what's God saying to you. It feels like um, there'll be different takeaways for different ones of us. So we'll spend a minute or two in prayer and give you a chance to reflect. And then Ian will lead us as we worship and close. <coughs>